You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk with Craig Rosenberg on the revenue framework for 2021. Craig, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Asher. I'm very excited uh, to jump in with you. I've known you for a while here, and so we get to go have some fun and have a conversation about uh, 2021. Totally. I mean, I, I remember you meeting you two years ago, yeah. and I and uh, and we were sitting in a meeting, and you go, Asher, you may just be the most aggressive biz dev guy in the Valley. And at that point in time, I didn't know if it was a compliment or not a compliment, but I took it as something to be proud of. I take it as a compliment, man. <laughs> I, uh, I don't say that to everyone. How's that? I know. I was like, wow. Like, I never <laughs> thought of never thought of that angle. I should put that on my LinkedIn. <laughs> right. That's right. Put the quote like a like you know a, a sub verbatim from Craig Rogan. the valley. So I didn't know if that was a trick to like get a backlink back to your website or you know. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so this has been. A, a very interesting year, and I truly mean the word interesting for many startups, like because we've had on the show a lot of VP level folks who have either figured out how to pass through this last like I, I hate to use the word pandemic, but the 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 change in the market, right? And uh, and then some of those folks. Um, and just had a very tough time figuring figuring it out because they were working from home for the very first time, right? And so, so before we go into just the revenue framework for 2021, what are your just can, can you give us some thoughts? Because you talk to a lot of people, probably more than I do. Uh, what are your your thoughts on the just the last like I don't know, like ten months? It's crazy. It's been ten months. Um, it feels like yesterday, but. Uh, but yeah, so look, I, I think the, um, well, I would say this, um, you know, 2020, you know, if you sort of, I mean, look, there was a massive pandemic and an economic crisis, you know, there, there, if, I, if I can just sort of say, acknowledge those and then talk about what we saw in the business environment, I, you know, uh, well, one is I think we surprised ourselves, right, particularly in technology, um, you know, uh, while the stock market on the, you know, on the public tech stock side, you know, people could see that, but certainly across tech, and I'm sure you see that too, Asher. Um, and I, and so that, that, you know, obviously has been interesting, but I think the, the things that we need to take away, right. Um, is that, um, things have changed. Okay. And, you know, just because, you know, the, people are doing well, you know, in tech or in certain industries, that doesn't mean they didn't change the way they worked. And the virtual, you know, the virtual nature of the workforce is one thing you mentioned there. I think that's, you know, that's a big obvious one. But the uh, the big ones we saw, so we are seeing now, sorry, and that's, a you know, look, if I look at a combination of 
you know, some of the stuff my colleagues at Gartner are looking at from the buying environment and what we're seeing out there working with our hundreds of clients is that one, you know, buyers really can't see past 90 days. Um, and by the way, I'm being really generous. Let's be honest. None of us can see past tomorrow. It's really hard. Absolutely. I'll give you this one after. Ready for this? Halloween was like two weeks ago, right? A week ago. I don't even know. But it was <laughs> not that long ago. And I guarantee you don't remember it. it you know, it's just been, it's a wild ride. Every day is it's just, it's so, um, it's, it's so eventful. And then the next day, we don't know, right? So the data shows that like Gartner um, in June, right, did a study and they found that 90%, okay, ready for this, 90% of sub 1 billion orgs there are going to delay long-term strategic initiatives and focus on tactical projects through 2021. That is very important for us to know as marketers, right? Or as sellers or in the revenue world, right? That 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 just tells you that the buyers, we 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 use a 90-day window, that buyers aren't planning past a quarter. Okay. And you know, we we met with uh, some some uh you know uh, fortune 200 focused consultants they said look we used to do five-year strategic vision projects all the time now it's 90 to 120 day triage so yeah people are doing better but they are doing things um now they are focused on the now and that is really important for us to take away as marketers and sellers and what we go how we talk to the market um and, you know, for us, that's like been, you know, we believe 2021 as a result, the focus for everyone is speed and flexibility, that your customers need to have the need for speed and you have the need for speed. But also remember, 2020 was about the pivot. It's amazing. I, I, I get it. Asher, you'll love this one. I met with a CRO the other day, huge sales team. Okay. And uh, I was telling him about, you know, some change management stuff. He said, look, we're, we're too big to change. I said, really? Uh, did did you move your sellers uh, from road warriors to virtual? He said, yeah. I said, how long did it take you? Two weeks. I said, okay, buddy, you can do change fast, right? And, uh, and he said, you're right. And because, you know, he just didn't want to do, right? Because to him, everything had to be big. And he's like, so I... He's like, I have 60-day problems, and I don't think I can get my team to do it. And the reality is, yes, you can. And, and that is because you've got to be fast, and you've got to be prepared for uh, the, the adaptability, versatility, you name it, that you need to that this buying environment requires, because we just don't know. And as you're saying that, I was just thinking about the last 20 episodes and uh, and and one thing that's been very clear in the last 20 episodes is the leaders that were extremely operational or had a fascination or like had some some depth in operations prevailed way faster or prevailed way better than the folks that were extremely strategic right and uh, uh, and and that begged the at least the big question about but people should embrace operations as much as they embrace some of the inspirational and the strategic elements of their jobs uh, because it is needed. Yeah. I think the strate- that's a that's an interesting uh, data point. I think the strategic people uh, learned a lot the hard way. I you know, of course you have to be strategic, 
But man, as you, you know, as you said, if you, if I would say something very similar, which is those, you know, those folks that had built, okay, an operational platform, um, they, their pivot was not seamless for nobody. This was seamless, but uh, closer to seamless than those that weren't. I mean, it was, you know what I mean? And so I, I can see that, right? If you, you know, the, the ability to operate with, you know, speed and flexibility is a, is very much about your operating model. And, um, and so I could, I could see that that's a, that's a great data point. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like I also started seeing that in my day job, right, which is uh, where, where we're helping uh, people with data, like people used to consume large and large quantities of data, right? Like they would just say like one terabyte files, no problem, I'll take it. right? And and then all of a sudden it became extremely specific. Like like it's it's almost like it's, it was almost overnight. At that point in time, we, were, we said, OK, so. Coverage matters, but then accuracy also matters for the data, but then specific data points in the data also matter. And we had to change the way we sold too, but it was an indicator that the market truly was going down this path of uh, just planning for the next 90 days or planning for the one for 120 days. And 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 those buying behaviors started changing. So I totally agree with what your uh, uh, the summation you made early on. Yeah, that's great. Superb. So tell us about this revenue framework for 2021. I'm excited to learn a little bit about it. Yeah. So if you take what you and I just discussed, right, which is, you know, what is the what is the market look like? Right. Split speed and flexibility. What we did was, look, we if you um, there were some incredible successes in sales and MarTech. OK, um, actually, we just pulled. 34 sales and MarTech vendors and 71% said their Q3 that they exceeded their target expectations. Okay. Um, and so that's an example of, you know, in my world, we study sales and MarTech. They did great. Why? And, and, and then we looked at our customers that did great through the pandemic. And, and what were those factors that they addressed? And what we did was we came back and said, look, there's a new framework for product market fit, right? Um, that's, you know, so it's a revenue framework, but really, look, it, you know, as we, as we looked at what was, what we, you know, we just discussed kind of what's happening in the market um, combined with, you know, our focus of study is sales and MarTech. And when we uh, surveyed, we surveyed about 34 sales and MarTech vendors. Okay. And their Q3 um, was amazing. Right. Seventy one percent said they exceeded their revenue targets. Um, and so we, we caught that earlier than sort of, you know, that data just confirms what we knew was that there was there are organizations that are doing better than others. OK, so we looked at that. And what we came back with was a new framework. And we believe that framework is actually a new view of how you address product market fit. So it's actually our revenue framework. Um, is now the Topo product market fit framework for these times. We believe there's five attributes, okay, that your product solutions, messaging, how you talk to the market needs to address. So number one is it, you have to address immediate priority, okay? So that's, you know, you're basically you want your messaging products and services. They're designed for near-term top-down priorities within 90 days, so we're talking, hey, Asher, that was great. Your sort of anecdote about strategic versus operational, right? Um, people aren't 
building platforms right now. They might end up with a platform, okay, because they're solving for the now. The other key word in there is top down. Um, It's not, you know, individual priorities are fine. They were easy to sell to a year ago. The, 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 the throughput in buying is because C-level people have a stake in the game now. There's two or three things the organization's trying to do, okay, right now. If you can latch onto them, you're going to get a deal because, by the way, our data said sales cycles were shorter, deal sizes were bigger. That's outrageous. But here's why is because when it's a top-down near-term priority, the month, they're going to open the checkbook. Okay. The second thing is you want to be able to provide immediate proof of value. Okay. That means tangible confirmation via product messaging or whatever of your solutions value, either during the sales cycle or within seven days of purchase. Why? Because if you're on a 90 day C-level initiative, you don't have, you know, you know this, we've been in tech. It's like, yeah, you buy the thing. It's like eight months later, they get it up and running. That does not work. You know, if you if you look at some of the hottest tech on the market, you look at the sign products like DocuSign, EchoSign. Like, think about that. You know, when you do your first DocuSign experience, before you even buy it, you know, you do a trial and you go through. And what's the screen pop you get when you're done after six clicks of finishing a document? It says you're all done. That's a magic moment. That tells you your value is going to be realized. And you can do that even with, you know, we have customers that are thinking about it on enterprise products. What's that thing that I can make everyone feel good either in the sales process or right away um, that they're going to get value? Another hot market, conversation intelligence, right? They're, they're, uh, that market is, is screaming hot. And think about how you can do immediate proof of value there. You can go analyze a call right now. You know, and uh, and a CRO CMO can see that, or and you know, and so that that's that's number two. Provide immediate proof of value. The third is you want to be able to have a demonstrable impact on their key business initiative. Okay, within the first thirty days, and you should tell them that. You know, as you as you work with them, it's like, look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go out, we're gonna roll out new data, for example, for you, and. Um, you know, your key metric for the next 30 days is, let's just say, meeting set or conversion rate or whatever. You got to come back and show them that. And you have to be able to because that is part of how you fix things right away. And when we looked at the sales in MarTech that were hot there, they can make that case and they can make it early on. And you can either see it in the product or sales or CS or whoever can show it to you. Okay, then four and five are a loop back. They go together. So one is you have to be able to deliver actionable insights immediately. There's a key word in there, which is actionable, which is an overused word. I think we all know. Don't chuckle at me, Asher. But um, but there's a difference between visibility and actionability. Visibility means you can see it. And actually, that's okay. It's pretty good. But actionable means there's at least one data point in there that I can relate to that I know I can go do something with and go fix. You know, in MarTech, we've seen it over the years, right? You can look at, you know, whether your your campaign messaging works, whether your landing page messaging works. That's been, you know, part of the MarTech value prop for a long time, right? But you, it's, it, you can relate to that. You could say to someone, hey, you know, like that landing page doesn't convert, okay? Then number five is enable agile business change. So you can go change it right away. The big thing is, remember, speed and flexibility. We need to solve fast 
and we need to be able to pivot and be adaptable fast. And that's how you should approach the market. You know, it's funny. We built the product market fit framework for product and marketing people. Um, then our customers, their salespeople started to use it on how they tell stories and how they talk about the product, right? Find the 90 day and tell them the story. Look, 90 days, I can tell you in seven days this. I can tell you in 30 days this. And then along the way, you know what's going to happen. If we can't see what's in front of our feet now, right? We can find that we can predict, not predict, sorry, we can get ahead of uh, change. You don't have to wait six months to make change. We will have those actual insights for you immediately and you can change them right away. That's for us how we believe people should think about product solutions, messaging, et cetera, for, to address the speed and flexibility themes of the 2021 market. And, and it's fantastic. And as you were saying this, and as I'm having conversations with my own team, by the way, right, It's it seems like, and, and I know we've been talking in the marketplace about sales market alignment for like forever, right? But substance-wise, this macro trend actually has brought the subjects together, meaning the salespeople have a much greater appreciation of marketing. They may not fully understand all of it, but they do need to know how to build content. Like the best ones are building their own content today because of the same thing, right? The marketers are also focused on conversations versus some age-old metrics, right? And so, 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 so my prediction, at least if I could predict, uh, uh, with you being on the, on the podcast with me, is like next year, like everybody is going to become this co- a content machine. But we're also going to see like rapid testing of messaging. And so, so what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you have to, right? I mean, this is like, everyone asks me, well, what, you know, how do we get so and so to change? It's really easy. When the buyer changes, we're for and we, it forces us to change that we do it. The other thing though, which you mentioned, which is really important is you can do it now. Everyone asks me, it's like, "Well, we've talked about that for a long time." Yeah, but now we can do it. And so yeah, I think that's a you know, that's part what you're describing is a very specific example of uh you know the flexi- you know flexibility I, I think data is key to flexibility think about that like you, you know everyone has been talking about data but now we've just been hit in the face we have to make really good decisions and so um to be flexible and to make the right decisions we need the data and that that's you know that's part of 2021 um, I think we could have predicted data every year because we just gradually kept adding it into the mix. But I feel like, you know, this year was not a full hockey stick, but pretty close in terms of the use of data. But it's all got to be actionable. It's got to be really it's got to speak to being able to specifically do something, not just show, um, not just provide visibility. And, and I, I also probably could add that the use of it also needs to be simple. It can't be that I need a PhD in data so then I can then use it, right? Like, like the, the vendors in the marketplace like, need to take the responsibility on themselves to, to show or even simplify the use case so people get really, really uh, experts in, in, uh, in using data. And you don't need these large teams, but you can just do it the same way that you can create a video or a podcast today. Yeah, I mean... Uh... 
I don't think you can be, I, to your point, I'll say it just to just wrap it up for you, which is you can't be actionable if the data is not usable. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I, so, so anyway, agree. How's that? <laughs> so what are some of the other observations, I guess, specifically for leaders, right, that, that are trying to, because there's two things that people are doing, right? Uh, the execs all try to become super execs and the super execs all try to become super, super duper execs, right? And so as you've connected with many of them, are there some uh, some observations that you've had that the best ones apply this, 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 both in their professional and personal lives, uh, and then they saw or were able to cope with this change. And uh, uh, and where I'm going with this is because maybe some of those folks can apply it now when there will be a little bit of a downtime and prepare themselves for 2021. Because like you just said, we just don't know what's going to happen in 2021 either. Yeah, I know. Uh, my prediction for 2021 is we have no idea what 2021 will be. Um, expect the unexpected, Asher. Um, so the, uh, uh, yeah, so look, if you embrace, um, embrace kind of what, you know, I'm talking about here in terms of the ages, uh, speed and flexibility, um, you know, that, that's, you know, that has been a executive boardroom level point of view, right? And so it, I think you take that to market. I'll talk in big terms and then in sort of more specific terms. So yep. you, you've got to sort of, you want to be able to, you have to make adjustments um, to your view of the world. For many of you, um, that that's important because all the things that you knew before, I can tell you right now, your buyer changed, right? We used to say, oh, the buyer, you know, we want to make sure we understand the buyer. But yeah, but for like eight years, the buyer was the same. I mean, people people would use the same buyer persona for eight years. They might as well have chiseled it in rock. And now your buyer's perception of value and what they need changed overnight. And so um, that that's, you know, one thing, you know, I'm talking to most marketers about is like, we have to do a full blown reset on, you know, who our buyer is. Um, but there's a second part to it. You need to use data, okay, and uh, establish an operational cadence to be really adaptable and fluid to changes in who your buyer is. So it's not just so like if you think about account based, right? Account based is has changed, okay. So it really came up as this idea where you said these are the accounts we covet and we're getting them no matter what, okay. Um, you don't have time for that actually now. Now you have to say uh, these are the accounts that are more likely to engage with us and the data tells us that, right? And that will often require you to make adjustments that you didn't anticipate. You can't chisel the ICP in stone. You can't chisel the target account list in stone. You got to be ready to stick and move because the data will tell you really good things. I mean, when we, you know, we talked about this before, when we looked at the companies that have done great in the pandemic, one of the overriding principles that they kept saying is, uh, we had no idea that this vertical was going to be great. We had no idea. Like, if, so I'll give you two examples. One is uh, early in April, by the way, everyone remember April, we were staring down the barrel. Correct. I mean, like, it was like, are we are we going to exist or not? <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, we were on the precipice of 
a zombie apocalypse. And um, but the SMB mid lower mid market cratered for a month. For sales in Martech, it roared back and it became the foundation. You know, so I had customers who are very agile, right? So they saw that uh, they saw the April and they moved all their they they re, they pivoted the org to focus on the up market because basically what happened was all the up market deals that were uh, set they came through in April, so there was a mirage. It was like oh, like you know these the big companies are where it's at and the SMB mid market's not. Well, guess what? They roared back. Did you? Could you have the flexibility to go after them was, you know, part of that. But that just shows that that the the target market and who you target is changing and it can change on a dime. Um, the other one, you know, I did this um, session um, with C-level um, revenue leaders and they were talking about how verticals that they never anticipated came to them. And, uh, like, you know, like three or four of them said transportation, like we didn't even think about that. Um, and so what they've done to get really tactical here is you want to be able to have, you want to be able to be light on your feet and you want to look for indicators in the market that tell you this could be a new part of our target account set. So for example, the transportation, right? So these companies saw, very good use cases, fast deals emerging with some of their transportation customers. Their marketing team, product marketing in particular, launched into uh, a set, a, a checklist. So something that they would prepare for for four months to launch on January 1st. They wanted to go look at the market in a week or two. And so they have a checklist of things and they're using data. They're looking at intent data. They're looking at engagement data. They're looking at fit data. They're looking at... Um, uh, overall market analysis, et cetera. But they had to do it quickly. And so think about that. So transportation comes in, it looks good. They went through their new checklist using lots of data to go do it. They had a week to do it. And they were able to launch the team, launch campaigns, launch the sales team after them. That That's, you know, from a, from a marketing perspective, you want to be able, you want to tell people, I've got this guerrilla force. The markets keep changing. If we don't know what's going to happen in 90 days, then we have to be ready. And account-based, as a result, has changed. It's fluid. It's awesome. It's like it went, you know, we've just, we've hit a new point where, you know, like we are using not just these coveted accounts. Because think about it, like account-based is like, we're getting into AT&T. Put it on the wall and we're not going to stop till we get in there. The new account-based is, you know, AT&T is showing signs of, right, uh, being engaged in the, whether it's the third party internet on our website or whatever, um, you know, looking into the, the, either the types of initiatives we solve, solutions we solve, now's the time to go after them. Now we launch our account-based programs. As a marketer, you want to talk to your, you know, you, you want to talk to your organization and set your strategy to be agile next year. One is let's continue. Let's have a, a continual evaluation of targets. Let's be ready to set up our cadences to launch new targets in a really agile way, whether that's in weeks, days, the most a month. Um, we want to set up our account-based programs so that they can be launched, okay? Not the 10-year planning cycle <laughs> to get that one campaign is. Have it ready. I actually did, uh, you'll like this one, Asher. I met with, um, so I was doing a, a webinar with, um, and Salesforce's account-based marketing team was on there. And, um, uh, well, one of, you know, representative from there, she said, look, we have these 10 out of the box field marketing 
Uh, they're not really field, right? They're virtual now yep. that you can choose from. So think about that. Like, you know, before, if we did an account-based campaign, you've been involved probably with a lot of them. And uh, it was this big planning process, right? We had to get everyone, what should we do? Uh, and what they did was they said, no, we'll figure out what you should do. Let's be ready. And here's the type of programs out of the box that you can go run. That's beautiful. But that's 2021. You should be ready to be ready. And um, and that that's, you know, I would say that's a really big thing. That's number one. Um, I'd say number two, one other part of this, this market change. Think about this. You're doing the same thing. And admit it, you were. Not you, but like the market for eight years. You were adding stuff, but it was just pretty cool stuff, right? It, nobody, you know, the, it was a bull market. I mean, things were going well, right? And and you you could dig in and sort of sell to the same people over and over and over and can keep growing your revenue. Uh, we had to change. That happened to everyone. And one of the big things has been peers. Peers have always been important. But right now, think about that. If you're a any company, you name it, we talked about transportation, and you're going to go do a massive transformation that you've never done before. You're not just going to turn to the vendors. You need shoulders to cry on. You need to find people. Hey, have you ever turned something around in 30 days? Uh, and so marketers need to uh, focus on that, whether that's the um, sponsoring involvement in communities, the creation of your own communities. We think, uh, you know, we've seen actually a substantial rise in peer-driven buying. Um, We we estimate on the sales tech side that 90% of the deals that we tracked this year had uh, peers were either had an effect of originating the deal saying, hey, you should go try this, but really about verifying the deal. We saw deals blow up because uh, their work with peers actually convinced them to do it or not do it. And so as you think about, you know, next year, another big theme and sort of how you think about approaches is peers, communities, et cetera. Those are going to be um, a big part of the uh, of the mix for next year. That won't go away. Think about it. As things change, um, who are people going to go to? They're going to go to the people that are just like them. And so anyway, those are a couple of things to think about for next year. Uh, and that's, it's fantastic. And I love that you're putting a little bit of an emphasis on data, which is a personal journey I'm on. And, and what I've realized in, in working in the data space for over a year now is, <clears throat> is that companies should actually think about their data as a stack, the same way that they actually think about their sales or marketing tech stack. And 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 it's not about choosing the right vendor. It's about like the types of data, but even more importantly, the data points, right? Because we'll think about like a marketing automation solution and then we'll think about campaign management and we'll think about like, like the different fields on the landing pages, right? All of those things are important. But if you want to make this shift, I think if people start thinking about their data stack, and they talk, think about the data points in that data stack that enable this, let's call it try or die thinking, right? Uh, I, th- I think people will be, will be, uh, will get get through this way faster. And it's a skill that is required. And if they don't have it, they should they should figure out how to build that muscle fast uh, for 2021. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll 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 add a little point to that. Another big theme for us. Um, and it, it goes along with everything you and I just said, but for let's just think about it on the SDR sales side, which by the way, 
marketing more than ever cares about enabling them, as you know, there that you talked about like that. That's not a separate issue anymore. Um, we're calling it engageability. Uh, you know, if you take my theme of what I was talking about on account based, like there's no don't why do the hardest thing? Can we use data and do the more likely thing? And so, you know, as you were talking about it, you know, if you think about prospecting, you know, I have a big SDR group, right? And they're really focused on what worked in the pandemic. Well, you know what worked was, uh, you know, not cold prospecting. That got really hard. But just going back to previously engaged customers or using data to figure out who's more likely to be receptive to what we're talking about, whether it could be intent data, it could be, you know what I mean? It could be a boil up of, you know, new market data, whatever that might be. Uh, we want to make decisions on who we outbound to by how engageable they are, not how much we think they're going to be an awesome logo. And, um, and that's data driven. We think prospecting and outbound and all those things has become incredibly data driven because you have to, Right. You just those days of running lists and spamming. You've seen the the market yes. has now at this time completely repudiated uh, templated blanket messaging. They just have. And so, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Well, man, can you use data? Just like <laughs> let's just use data and we'll take the more likely. And the more likely has been really, really great for. Uh, you know, outbound SDR teams. And um, and that, that's a good proxy for how we should be thinking about next year, the data-driven approach to making really good decisions on our time. Yeah. And, and for the audience, to your second point about peer learning and peer support, this literally happened on this podcast. Like I did a podcast with somebody from one company that said, hey, I'm struggling with XYZ. And then I'm thinking, I just talked to somebody who's an expert in scaling what you're dealing with, like last week. And then I connected the two of them together. And so the, the call to action here is for the audience, like, don't be shy to ask and, uh, and, and come on to these podcasts and then ask the question because what you're searching for or what you're looking for may be literally just around the corner. Both of those people were in the Bay Area, right? And so, so I just connected them. Uh, but I also had another one where a listener from Japan actually asked a question and they were trying to figure out how do they recruit better in Germany or like uh, in Europe, in EMEA. And, and I just happened to know this other person who was on the show, right? And so again, the, uh, the, I think the bold will actually get help faster if they just come on to, to, to shows or podcasts or emails or whatever the groups are and just make the ask because there's plenty of people that are willing and able to help them. Yeah. Well, well great. Well, this has been fantastic, Craig. Thank you so much for, uh, for spending some time with, with us. Exactly. Uh, as we do customarily on this show, we always ask people to nominate uh, a couple of other people who they believe are as passionate as they are about go-to-market or data science or anything to do with delivering uh, great value to customers. So I'll make the same ask. Who are two other people that you think we should bring onto the show as a guest? Yeah. So am I allowed to... I, there's a perfect person. He just happens to work with me. Is that bad? Is that cheating? No, that's not. It's totally fine. <laughs> Thanks. We, we, we may charge them double for it, but no problem. 
So Eric Whitlake is my um, senior marketing analyst, and um, he actually just did a big report on data. Uh, a lot of the narrative that I provided today comes from his work in sort of the, you know, the changing landscape of how you target and run your account-based programs or your programs in general. So I, I would say one is Eric Whitlake. The other one is not, I, I actually have a, um, so marketers might be surprised that I'm recommending a, a sort of a, what he's perceived as a sales thought leader. I would call him a revenue thought leader, but his name's Dave Brock. Um, I think his Twitter handle is David A. Brock. He's been around for a long time. Um, and he's been primarily a, a sales focused consultant, but you know, as you know, that that has changed. Sales is part of marketing. Marketing is part of sales. Uh, but you know, his his views of data. He's he was heavily into you know BI and some of these other uh, you know remember BI um, yep. you know these things of before. And his um, I, I like it because look, the guy's been around for like forty years, and but is embracing the data game and how, how to think about it and also is really effective in sort of helping sales understand uh, the importance of it. So that would be my second nomination. Superb. The second question that we always ask people, it's a slight of a fun one, uh, uh, is, and especially because like we're all home, we have kids, and I would think that like hashtags or a discussion about hashtags is happening all the time. Now, my daughter's six, four years old, so I think she's a little too young. But uh, but we always ask people if they were to condense this podcast into a hashtag, what would their hashtag be? Yeah. Well, the first one that came to mind, Asher, was uh, hashtag data and demand. And and is important because there's too many people that just throw data in front of demand and all this stuff. I thought it'd be fun, like to say something like hashtag data and demand. And um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, that that one sort of resonates with me. Knowing you, I thought you would just go with hashtag try or die. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, I, yeah, of course. I mean, like, but, but, but I'm not sure that would uh, help them. Exactly. <laughs> something that would... Uh, that would intrigue them, but also tell them a little bit about what they try or die. That could be, you know, that's like an MMA. Like you could, you could be across the the spectrum. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> too, I do. No problem. All right. Uh, and then the last question uh, is for the listeners. And now our audience is global now. And so you may get a request from anywhere in the world, I would say, but how could people connect with you if they had any questions or thoughts to share after they listen to this podcast? Yeah. I mean, I, I think people should, uh, should hit me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And if they, you know, sent a message and, uh, but was specific about what they wanted to talk about, or, or if they mentioned this podcast, I, I'd be cool to connect and, do that. Um, and so, you know, my name's Craig Rosenberg. You can find, I'm a, I think I do pretty well in the search algorithm on uh, LinkedIn. If you want, you know, look, we're, we're, a, we're a research firm. So, you know, uh, people generally have to pay to get access to our stuff, but our blog, we release a lot of the research into the blog on our website. So uh, Topo HQ, 
T-O-P-O-H-Q.com. If you go to the blog there, a lot of our work um, is public. And so you could do it. I, I mean, I'd love to connect with you out there in the audience. But if you don't want to and you just want to kind of get a piece of the action, you could do it through that uh, channel. Superb. Well, once again, Greg, thank you so much for coming to the show and best of luck in your journey. Thank you, Asher. Appreciate it. It was fun. Very fun. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.